This is the Finding Strong Podcast. Push your limits, win the day, find your strong. Here's another episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Finding Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Gates, sitting here with Coach Mark Bottenhorn. Hey everyone. Hey Pat, what's going on, man? Not much, dude. How's it going over there in uh, Dallas? It is going well. It's very hot. Um, very hot. Having a having a good day. Got a training session in the morning, then a gym session in the afternoon, and uh, doing some video recording for this, uh, for this advertisement for this uh, brand that I'm sponsored by. So it's been a pretty busy day. I'd say. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I just want to apologize to everyone uh, that we had like a short little hiatus on putting out a podcast, but you know, Mark was traveling, I was traveling. So. Yeah. I just, uh, it was all over, man. Northern California. I was in Phoenix for a while. Uh, I was in Auburn, California specifically. I was in Phoenix for a while. I was in uh, Albuquerque for a while. Now I'm back home and I feel like I'm finally kind of settled back in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I was up north. I uh, went up north a couple times camping, you know, enjoying the wilderness. Uh, it was nice to nice uh, little reset to put my have my phone have zero service. It was great. Yeah, so specifically when you talk about up north, you're talking about northern northern Michigan. North, northern Michigan, yeah. Every time I say up north to somebody who's not from Michigan, they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm just so used to saying it like that, but, you know, whatever. That's Michigan slang. That's right. So, uh, so my friend, what do you have uh, for us today on the agenda? Yeah, so I've been pretty fired up recently, and um, I had a little bit of an event that fired me up even more on my travels. Um, so, but what I've what I've promised to do is dial it back just some, at least, um, just to dial it back some, so I don't come out of here like a bat out of hell, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I want to talk about things that we can do in our lives to become outliers, you know, things that we can do to become uh, extraordinary in, in some senses yeah. and behaviors and the mentality required for that. Okay. All right. Well, do you want to, just want to dive right into it? Or do you want to talk about your travel a little bit? Yeah. So I'll give a, I'll give a background at least in the travel. Okay. So I was um, spending some time with a, with a close friend of mine and uh, we went to, we went to a place and another one of my friends was there and he said, you know, everything that's going on with COVID, like this is killing me. Like this is killing my business, you know, started um, and he, very rightfully so we've known how I felt about the whole COVID thing, which I'm not going to get into. We've known how I felt about that since the beginning of this. Um, yeah. But anyway, somehow it's killing his business, which is, which is predictable um, because that's what happens when, Anytime you have some kind of mass government overreach to, but okay, I, I'm, I'm getting the wrong subject now. So um, anyway, his business is, his business is absolutely dying. And he said, you know what? Um, you know, you're traveling around the country and you're completely unaffected by this and you have no idea, um, you know, what this is like more or less. And that's what fired me up because yeah, one, I do understand uh, I lost my primary mean of in- means of income uh, to a furlough. 
um, yeah. you know, and um, the, basically just acting like I'm uh, just lucky and skating by by being an athlete. But that's not the case. Um, and I felt a little resentful of that. And I'm not mad about it, but um, I thought it was unfair. And I think that I've done things to set myself up uh, to be successful. And yeah. I've done a lot of things successfully business-wise uh, to be able to be in a good position. Yeah. Um, but I know other people aren't that lucky uh, with, with COVID and that's who I've been advocating for um, for a long time. And so I think, um, you know, that got me thinking like, why is it that I've been able to come out mostly unscathed by COVID, uh, COVID closures and shutdowns, um, even though I've lost my job. And it's because I, in some ways, separated myself. Um, I've always felt that I was an outlier. I've always felt that I'm different. And I wanted to kind of chronicle some of the behaviors of, of people that I admire and uh, of myself to kind of talk about what, what got me here and or not even what got me here, but what, what got others to where they are too. Yeah, definitely. So um, there's a book that most people are probably familiar with. It's called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and regurgitate uh, that book, because I think that there are a lot of inaccuracies in the book and a lot of fallacies. At one point, Malcolm Gladwell, and I don't know if it was in this book or what book it was, but he talks about the the art of mastering something and how everything takes 10,000 hours. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. there's a mastery of 10,000 hours, which we know that not to be true, right? I mean, yeah. some people master things much less than 10,000 hours. Sometimes it takes more. Uh, it just really depends on what it is. But it's not the point. I think the, the point he's trying to make is that it takes a lot of work. It's kind of like how – yeah how the stone stone cutter kind of chips away at a stone. Right, yeah, just, yeah. Just consistently chipping at it. Yes. Uh, so, um, you know, when you, when you talk about those things, he goes on in his book to talk about, well, some people are outliers. Like he talks about Canadian hockey, for example. Um, and in, in, in Canadian hockey, uh, typically youth are separated by a birth date of like January 1st. Um, yeah. So if you're born in January 1st, you're much more likely to succeed. And the reason is because um, you're playing with people that are born as late as December 31st and everything in between. And when you are four and five and six years old, 10 yeah. months or eight months makes a huge developmental uh, difference. Um, so you're more likely to get more attention. You're more likely to be coached into better programs. You're more likely to get um, opportunities to go to better programs, better coaches. You're going to be physically bigger. So, right. uh, that's the reason behind it. Um, and so if you just look at that for its face value, it looks like, well, these people are lucky. They're born in a situation they couldn't control and they benefit from it. Um, right. But but I'm here to say, fuck that. Fuck all that. Um, because those aren't true outliers, in my opinion. Those are the norm. Like, you'll look and see that most people in the NHL were born in the first three months of the year. Those are the normal. Those aren't outliers to me. Outliers are the ones that that work hard and make it happen no matter what. Right. So I want, you know, whether you're an underdog or not, um, I, I'm just fascinated with finding out how people can make something happen. And, and to me that that's fascinating. It's, it's, it's just a war of attrition more than anything. And that's what fires me up. Um, you know, from a, from a young age, I think that I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And I think that you felt the same way. Um, yeah, we were able to play at a very a pretty high level in soccer, uh, higher than most. And 
a lot of the a lot of the kids that we would grow up to play against or in, whether it be in college or beyond college um were products of like these really expensive like mega clubs like ten thousand dollar a year uh soccer yeah. clubs and things like that yeah uh so if you look at that like our parents had relatively no money <laughs> yeah i still owe I, st- I still owe uh, one of the soccer clubs money <laughs> yeah i don't think they're getting i don't think they're getting it anytime soon <laughs> no they're they're certainly not getting it i'm i can tell them that right now i have, <laughs> I hope they're not counting on it, but you never know with COVID, they might come knocking on your door and say, listen, bro. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, yeah, we got back pay of, 10, of uh, 12 plus years. Yeah. 12 years at a measly 60% interest rate. You owe them like $47,000. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, it's kind of weird. Like we didn't, we didn't have those advantages in some ways. I was born in the effectively the middle of the year towards the, towards the later half of the year. You were born in the middle of the year. We don't fit the criteria for what they're talking about, uh, right? No. But we still no. made it happen. Um, and if you look at like how we made it happen, uh, how many times do you recall playing soccer after midnight? Uh, so many times. I, I honestly, I can't even keep count. Probably four times a week in the summer. Yeah. I mean, we we found a field that happened to be uh, positioned right behind my parents' house, but we found a field that had a light on all night, so we could play yeah. all night. We had our yeah. uh, We'd have our friends coming over, you know, at all hours of the night. We'd be playing soccer till two, three, four a.m. Sometimes, uh, yeah. You know, we we uh, living in Michigan, like indoor soccer is quite expensive in the winter. So, like, we'd only be able to really maybe practice once a week if we were lucky and have a game once a week. Uh, yeah. So, what do we do? We shoveled, got our shovels out and shoveled the snow and had all the like the top players over playing. Yeah, yeah, that was some of the funnest times I ever had. Just having a bunch of people over with uh, with shovels, making a little little field, and we would use uh, we use trash cans as goals. It was that's like some uh, that's like a documentary type shit right there. It's yeah. it's it was great. And we play for hours at a time. Like we'd have the we'd have the best players over. We uh, you know we'd have uh, Ramon, Octavio. Ramon's like in Mexico somewhere now, probably. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yep. And so like just. Just with that iron sharpens iron mentality, we all grabbed a shovel. Uh, we all knew that we were going to grow from it. So um, we didn't have the best facilities or access to them. We created them. You know, uh, we weren't yeah. to have a physical advantage. We did that by training hard. We did that by pushing hard. Uh, we did that by working out. Um, you know, largely avoiding um, the pitfalls that other people fell into with like drugs and alcohol. We were able to steer clear of that. Um, so I think little behaviors like that in this situation can make an outlier so i don't like the idea of pushing off um somebody else's success and saying well they were an outlier and they had an advantage yeah because to me i define an outlier as somebody who maybe doesn't have an advantage but creates it anyway okay and mm-hmm. and bucks the status quo um you know if you look at somebody like yeah. ron james right right he yeah he comes from a, a single parent family um he was never supposed to, to make it to where he did, but he did. And he's going to go down as one of the best athletes, whether you, whatever the Michael Jordan, Corey Bryant thing, whatever, whatever you think doesn't matter. Yeah. He's going to go down as one of the best athletes to ever live. Um, yeah. He's going to go down as a very successful uh, business person. He's going to go down as a, as a great father, uh, a great husband. And that to me is an outlier. Yeah. I mean, we can say the same thing about <clears throat> Cristiano Ronaldo, who, would go to the McDonald's in Lisbon and they would and like the people who work there, some ladies would like 
sneak him out like food in the back out of the back because like his family couldn't afford food and he would go to training and do that and i look at him now that that guy lives and breathes to train and to be a dedicated person in, in his craft which he created himself to be an outlier he didn't just you know he worked at it and kept going yes he had some talent but because of his work ethic and he created this path for himself is what made him be this this outlier where he is today yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't I mean he does have some talent. I think that there are there are probably more talented people than he um that are in that aren't that aren't ever going to rise to the level that he is. So right. I think that's a testament to his work ethic. I mean if you I think even if you compare him to Messi, um like he turned himself into a physical specimen, um, a highly talented and refined and sharp athlete. Uh, not to say that Messi didn't, but Messi probably had a little bit more uh genetic uh predisposition to be like really yeah. naturally talented. Um, and now they're arguing ho- consistently every year over who's the best in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a tale of two, two completely different backgrounds um, kind of merging that way. And you see that a lot. And um, so I think it's important. And, you know, I, I think we've, for me, I think the first, you know, step into like, for me to, okay, when I was 20 years old, right, let's, let's face it, I was scared of my own shadow. Like I said, I wouldn't drive on the freeway. I was scared I was going to die. I was scared I was going to come to some disease. I was scared that I was going to, um, you name it. And I was pretty much scared of it. And um, I always thought like my biggest regret in life would be if I don't live up to what I believe I'm capable of. Uh, So ultimately, that fear of not being the best version of myself outweighed those other fears. And I was able to step forward and uh, start taking some chances and um, it kind of snowballs. But, you know, 10 years ago, I was a completely different human than I am right now. And, yeah. And um, I used to be, you know, just to give you a compare and contrast, I used to be uh, as a 20 year old, I was insecure. I was weak minded. I was lazy at times. Um, and on top of all of those, bad traits i was also arrogant for some reason and entitled um and when you don't work really hard and you don't really put much effort into something but then you are arrogant it's a it's it's a weird thing isn't it really um yeah I, i can understand if you if everything was in some to some degree if everything was just going your way and you were crushing everything and then you're arrogant or like yeah you've never done anything different uh... Right, because I, I I felt similar like similarly sometimes, and like I think that that arrogance sometimes is projection of, you know, things that you don't do in like your daily life that you kind of just project out, where you kind of like try to make that confidence instead of just actually being confident. That's and and that could be that could be uh, very true, and so I went to a therapist, and, uh, and I'm sorry if anybody's ever heard the story before, but I went to a therapist, and we were talking for a while, and I developed a good relationship with him, and he's and you know I was. I forgot what the reason was, but I was concerned about something. And he said, well, ask your mom how she really feels about you. And I think it's because we didn't have a strong relationship as I would have liked. And so I did. And so I went and asked my mom, who's a very hardworking person, um, mm-hmm. true like American dream stuff. And I went and said, mom, what do you think of me? And she said, hey, I think you're great. I think you're a great person. I think you're kind hearted. Um, but I don't think, I, I think sometimes you're too lazy and I don't think you work hard enough. And that, it like woke me up a little bit. And, um, you know, all those nights of wondering, like, was I enough? Was I enough? Was I enough? And it was paralyzing me. Right. And one day I looked in the mirror and I said, I'm not enough. Like this is not enough. I am capable of enough, but what I'm currently doing is not enough. Yeah. And 
that's what was the catalyst to help me make a lot of positive changes in my life that have snowballed in a in, in a big way into a lot of really positive things for me. Um, but it's why I also resent the notion that anybody would claim that like I'm naturally talented and coast by on things and I'm lucky to be where I am. I don't believe that. Um, right. So if you, um, if you really break that down, I think uh, that was a big turning point for me. And now if you look at society today, okay. And I have to tiptoe around what I say because I want to be real um, but I also don't want to be offensive. And uh, so there needs to be some kind of battle. But right. what we're lacking as a society right now, in general, is accountability. Um, it's a lot easier to go find yourself a quote, some bullshit quote on the internet that vindicates the things that you were doing than it is to just have the discipline, the pain tolerance, the hard work to say, I don't like this about myself. I want to change. If nothing changes, nothing changes. So... If you, if you keep using these crutches and things like that to live in your comfort zone, whether it be society, whether it be uh, therapyquotes.org or whatever it is, and listen, I'm a big proponent of therapy. I believe in it. But we have to draw the line somewhere. We have to say, listen, if, if we're not performing up to what we want to do, then we have to do better to make yeah. ourselves happy. Um, and, and I'll give you an example. Uh, one of my clients was – he was severely overweight. And all he talked about was – he he wanted to lose weight in this journey, and this was this was back a long time ago when I was kind of um, working with like transformation uh, clients stuff like that. I wasn't working as much with endurance athletes at the time. Um, I was working more in a weight loss capacity, and um, eventually he did. And um, you know he would he would keep saying like at first he would say things like I want to be. Sixty or seventy pounds later, like I want to feel comfortable with the way I look. I want to do this. I want to do that. But then he would also say things like, "Well, I'm fine the way I am. I'm good the way I am. I'm, you know, like I'm beautiful the way I am." These 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 men put unrealistic standards on, you know, when you see them on magazines and stuff like that. And then one day, in his own words, he told me he woke the fuck up, and he realized that those things were just excuses because he wanted to continue his habits, which he knew would ultimately kill him. Um, and so he made the choice that he said, Hey, I am less than what I want to be. And I, and I want to lose weight. It, so in this case, he looked at the mirror and he said, I am fat. Right. And there's, yeah. if, he didn't say, I hate myself. He didn't say I'm a bad person or a piece of shit. He just said, I'm fat, which is simply okay. He didn't want to be that anymore. So that was the first step of reckoning for him. For me, it was that I had to say, Hey, I'm lazy. Hey, I'm entitled. Hey, I'm not doing enough. And those th that shit hurts. That's really honest, you know, and it's really vulnerable yeah. and it hurts to say that shit about yourself, but you have to say it. You know, you have to figure out what you're doing and what's going on in life that's that's fucking poisoning you and you have to eliminate it from your life. And in his case it was his poor nutritional habits. Now I'm really happy to talk about him because he's an athlete that I've brought back on about 9 or 10 months ago. Um and I'm not, it's not because I don't work in a, in a weight loss capacity anymore. It's been years since I've done that. He yeah. is an endurance athlete. He's a Boston qualified uh, runner. And this is a man that's never ran, ran more than from the couch to the refrigerator before. And that's by his own, by his own words. And this dude qualified for the Boston marathon. Wow. And he's somebody that I've had the pleasure of knowing for the last seven or eight years. And I love to use his story because he just said enough was enough. And right now we, we're in the midst of this movement where like you just love yourself above all else and you just coddle yourself. 
but does that is that really provide an environment to foster change? No, it do, no, it really doesn't. No, so so you know, like I think the first thing you have to do is change your mindset and just say, "This is what I want." Clearly outline what you want, and you have to and you have to make the plan to go after it and execute it. Yeah, and and holding yourself accountable is the most important thing. Like you can have you know, you, your coach, uh, as a coach or like a family member or whatever, just kind of be like, like, Hey, did you do this thing or do this thing? Cause like, ultimately like not everyone cares as much as you should care. So once you like hold yourself accountable, like this is what I need to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I need to accomplish. Yeah. There's going to be some days where you're not going to feel like doing it or going out for a run. You're going to feel lazy and just lay on the couch and watch TV. But you got to know that like, if you don't do that, you're going to, those habits are going to come back and you know, those are the habits you, you don't want. Yeah. Two additions to that. One, nobody's ever said, man, I'm wish, glad I stayed on the couch today instead of ran, instead of trained or instead of went out and did their thing, except for me the one time. And I'll bring that up again. I got hit by a biker. I was T-boned when I was running. <laughs> that day I wish I stayed home. <laughs> and then, and then number two is like, I get a lot of athletes that, that reach out to me and, they say, hey, I'm lacking motivation or something like this. And my first instinct and, and usually the final resolution is not to work with them because I'm, I provide the tools as a coach uh, for athletes to get better, to get sharper. I provide guidance from time to time. I provide support. And, you know, that's the way it always is. But I can't provide constant motivation, right? So right. there has to be some level of intrinsic motivation um, because you have to and – th- and that goes back to the finding – what you want to do and finding out why you want to do it because that why is so important. Um, you know, if, you know, as, as a story, we can look at someone like, like Bill Gates, right? Um, when he was in high school, he, I mean, he's obviously one of the most prolific businessmen of yeah. all time. Um, and so if we go back to, to, to high school, you know, he got to start in computer programming in high school. And this is the time when we had those big boxy fucking computers that were the size, um, of, size of a goddamn room. Yeah, yeah, 7,000 pounds and nobody had access to them. Well, you know, he happened to go to a school and they had a programming club. So the the the, the high school didn't have the the computer. The the computer was at the local college, but they would go there once a week and program. Well, he ended up becoming friends with whoever it was at the laboratory or whatever, and he ended up getting a job working in the programming laboratory at at one of the local colleges in the Pacific Northwest. Well, um, because of that, he was able to program at all hours of the night because he had access to it. Um, but he couldn't do it when other people were there, obviously, because they had priority. So he would stay up late and then program all night and then go to high school. Um, and this was a time where people weren't largely able to program and didn't have the access to stuff. And he found a way to get access to the stuff and right. he executed on it and executed on it. And now in terms of computer science, he's arguably the most prolific person of all time. Um, yeah. And it wasn't like his parents were, were rich and plopped a computer down in his, in, his, in his room and said, here you go, prodigy, take it away. He grinded. Or if, if, yeah, he was just on the grind, man, to be honest, and he found a way uh, to do it. And I think that's what makes him an outlier. I don't think it was this innate talent. It's an innate drive he had to pursue what he wanted to do, and he found a way yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you really, really want something, you'll find a way. You'll make it work by any means necessary yeah yeah you will and i mean um i think that the next thing we got to look at is is like when you when you highlight what you want you highlight why you want to do it your why right your why is so important uh you highlight why you want to do it and um 
I'll give you an example really quick of my why. Like my why is to try to find the strongest version of myself. Hence, we're both kind of on that journey and we have this Finding Strong podcast. Um, So all that stuff is really important. Uh, So my why is to be the strongest version of myself because I didn't like the weak, little, fragile, frail, scared boy that I was. I hated that person. I looked in the mirror and I hated who I was because I knew I was doing much less than I could. And my fear is never turning back into that person, never morphing back into that person, right? Uh, so I wasn't feeling great on my run today. I was hot. You know, I'd been spending a lot of time with travels. I got out later because I've been trying to catch up on sleep from the traveling. Um, all those sound like excuses, right? I got out. I did it. Um, didn't feel really well, but I, I made it through the run. Uh, I came home. I ate. I made it to the gym. Um, but today was – it's not like I come out. I wake up every morning and my feet hit the fucking ground and I just go a million miles an hour. Today was a struggle for me. Um, but right. I still made it happen because, you know, I thought it's my why that 20 year old, uh, loser pipsqueak would have just stayed at home. And I got out there and got it done. And I know every day I do that. I'm separating myself from that person I used to be. Um, and if you have this really strong why, it's like a compass. It's like a compass, and there's, um, you know, it guides you. So if you if you know your yeah. why, you can then become pretty much unbreakable, um, and that's and that's really beautiful. Um, so then once you've once you've figured all those things out, right, you got this big thing. It's like if you're gonna go after something that you really want. And if it's big enough, like it should scare you because if, if you're not, if you're, if your dreams don't scare you, you're not dreaming big enough. Right. And the thing about yeah. scare, it's like really scary because you could fail. Right. And you could go after yeah. what you want and you could fucking fail miserably. Um, I've done that in the past. I've done that many times in the past, but guess what? Those aren't failures. The real failure, and this might sound corny or cheesy. I don't care. It's, it might sound cliche because it's true and it's repeated a lot. The only failure is not actually trying. Um, yeah, because then you go down with those regrets of saying, what if I would have gave more? What if I would have pushed harder? What if I would have put it on the line? I don't want to think about what ifs. I hate what ifs. I used to think, what if I get cancer? What if I get hit by a car? Uh, what if I get in a car crash? You know, what if, what if I fall in love and then she fucking cheats on me and leaves me or something? I used to think, what if, what if, what if, what if now I don't want to think about what ifs anymore. Because what ifs make you weak? I want I, I don't want to think, what if I tried harder? What if when I was 30 years old, I didn't give up on running and I doubled down trying to make a national team? That's 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 the that's the what ifs I don't want to think about. I want to just put them in action. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, either way, well, it, if, you, if you fail, that, I mean, that's something that you, you put your heart and soul into and you tried and you tried to grind it out and you tried to make it work. Sometimes, like, the, that failure is – I don't consider it a failure either. Like – I could, for like example, for like at work, like um, my goal is to, you know, be promoted and like be full-time remote employee. And I've been doing everything in those, with leading up to these days to get promoted, Um, you know, sending out emails, doing extra stuff, trying to do um, new training guys, trying to help people who are new um, in the, in my team. Uh, These, all these little things lead up and like if they say, um, this is just things you need to do. I'm not failing at it. I'm just like, I'm just trying to put myself out there more. I'm not like, not going to sit here and just sit idly by and let like other people try to do the same things that I want to do. I want to go out and, and yes. do it. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And I'm so, I'm proud of your career success. And it's because of that <laughs> attitude and mentality and work ethic that you are where you are now. And, you know, I, I, I just, 
I don't think it's a failure. I think it's a learning opportunity. If you fucking if you go out and try something and you failed, you know why you failed and you learn from the mistake and you attack it a different way. I hate this like victim mentality of like I was going to go to the league but I blew out my knee or something like that or just any of those just yeah. garbage like life hands you lemons, you know. Well, like if life hands you lemons, yep. you make lemonade, but you don't if life hands you lemons, you squeeze those motherfuckers. You squeeze the juice out of them and you and, and you make and you make lemonade and you slap all natural on there and then you sell that lemonade. You if you put all natural on, you could sell it for more. So you sell it for more and then you take the profits from that and you take it and you you open a t-shirt company and then you sell your t-shirts on Instagram. And then you double that up and you keep that money. Now you're talking. Then you start investing in other businesses. Fuck. It all started with lemons. You know, I'm sick of this. I'm yeah. sick of this. I've been dealt a bad hand nonsense because you know what? A lot of people have had it a lot worse than you and I have, Patrick, but a lot of people have had it a lot fucking better. And I don't want to send like I'm out here on some fucking soapbox. Let's keep in mind, you know, I'm just talking about what has worked from our experiences. So I'm not saying that these are the keys to doing it, but this is what's really helped me uh, to be where I'm very comfortable and very happy in my life. And you feel the same way. Um, you know, you and I worked at a fucking soccer store for about $9 an hour, something like that. Yeah. And yeah. And we we did it and we poured our heart and soul into it. And we also watched a lot of Netflix. I ain't going to lie. But it got slow in there at some days. And we'd come back home to a, to a shitty fucking ghetto-ass apartment that was still better than the neighborhood we grew up in, right? It was a step up. It was a stepping stone. <laughs> but – but yeah. we came there and we split the fucking rent four ways. We split the, we <laughs> yeah, so we can we split it. a six hundred and seventy dollar <laughs> rent four ways. Uh, we didn't have a dishwasher, you know, like <laughs> we didn't have air conditioning. Um, nothing ever got repaired. Our neighbor paid six dollars a month to live there because all of our neighbor it was like Section Eight housing, um, yeah. and we we struggled and, and grinded our way through and grind and and and. Um, I would never, I would never now settle to live there. Um, no, never. Because, because we've been able to elevate it. It's not about where you start. I think in most cases where people start, whether it be a socioeconomic class, there be, you know, a financial class, whatever it is, that's where they're going to finish. And that means that people, the top 1% are going to have the biggest advantage and their kids are going to continue to, to keep that alive. Um, but I didn't accept that. And you didn't accept that either. Um, so we didn't make any excuses. We just went out and did it. And you know what? We got the, we got the, the job, you know, we got the job. We, we made the most of it. We worked when we could, we, we poured in it. We could barely afford to pay our dues to play soccer, man. But we yeah. kept pursuing what we love. We yeah. kept working until we had a breakthrough. And I remember you got that internship, man. And you got an internship making $13 an hour, right? Is that, is that number yeah. right? Yeah. Is that number right? Yeah. yeah. And I got and I got put into a into a position making twelve fifty an hour. And we're thinking, oh fuck. Well, we're instantly overnight making twenty five percent more than we were. <laughs> I know. I thought I was like I was like, this is the most money I've ever had in my life. I thought it was great. Yeah, and, and the and the sad thing is like the we come from a city with a median household income of twenty two thousand dollars. That's somewhere uh and obviously like we weren't yeah. Our parents are a little more fortunate than that, but you know, like that's below the poverty line. So, like for us, it's a, it's a huge change of, and um, we did it. And now, look at you worked up in that same position uh, to where you are now. I got experience in the field I am now, then made a bunch of a, a bunch of moves into management, then multi door management, then marketing. Now I now I control the 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 effectively the media the marketing for all of Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Texas. Like 
we didn't let excuses kind of hold us back. And for that, I'm really proud. So I don't want to sound like I'm gloating or bragging. I'm just saying that people from all walks of life can do if they pursue their passion and stay steadfast with their why and stay the course, they can become their version of successful or their version of strong. Right. Yeah. We put, we put what we wanted to do out into the universe and we worked at it and we chipped away at it and we were consistent and we were rewarded. The universe rewarded us. We didn't like try to make excuses for it. We just, we just said, well, this is what it is. And we just went and kept going. Even like whatever setback or speed bump that we had, we just we just used it as a speed bump and just like went on and did something else and like figured it out and just kept on pushing. And we are still not done yet and we're saying but we came along. This is way. just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Yeah. And um you know, I, I wanna share a story that, that was really instrumental in this happening and it's a pretty vulnerable story. Um and I was playing soccer for uh Oakland United, Oakland County FC, and um you made the team as well. We both made the team. Um, and we were playing with some of the, probably the best, uh, players easily that we've ever played with, uh, the best collection or assembled group of guys we've ever played with. And the stakes were getting high. Um, there was a lot of pressure. Um, this would fall into now mm-hmm. what is now what is effectively the third, the third tier in U S soccer. Right. Um, so this would fall yeah. into that now. And, um, and now I think they're actually like some kind of full on professional, uh, outfit or club. Um, yeah. and, what I did is you were gone. I don't know where you were at. I don't know if you were in England or Greece or. I was in. Uh, okay. Greece, yeah. yeah. And um, I was, I was playing and going through the motions at practice. And I thought, man, this is, I made it to this level and I'm not enjoying this. And there's so much pressure on me and I'm scared of really putting myself out there. Cause I'm used to being the captain of every team I've ever been on. I'm used to being the best. And now every single person is the best on every single college team that they played on. And it's a way different atmosphere. And ultimately I faked an injury. I, I faked a hip injury and we had a team doctor and the doctor said after several uh, visits and different things, he said, man, I cannot figure out there's nothing wrong with you, you know? And in my, I had an MRI yeah. and even in my head, I knew there was nothing wrong with me. And, and yeah. I, maybe I started to believe there was something wrong because I just told myself all the time, but, but either way, I, I, I literally faked an injury, an injury to get out, of doing what I loved because there was so much pressure on it. And I was scared of the pressure and I was scared of the failure. And that pisses me off. That was the, one of the weakest moments of my life. And I hate when people say, well, I don't have any regrets because it brought me here and it brought me to this. I regret that still. I don't, I don't, I'm happy that I'm no longer playing soccer, obviously. Um, but, but I regret that moment in time because it was one of the weakest, frailest, uh, just, wackest yeah. decisions I've ever made in my entire life. And um, as a, as a positive, I've grown from it. Um, and it's now provided me this fuel that at times is almost unhealthier. This obsession of being unrelentlessly better every single day. Like, I, I don't know. My goal is to get better every single day and to further distance myself from that person. And that was a, for me was a bit of a rock bottom. Um, and, you know, they say you can, once you hit the rock bottom, you can only go, up well not true as john joseph will tell you you can you can dig into the fucking soil in the rock bed and go even deeper you know because all that spiraled that was a rock bottom moment for me and what it did was it spiraled all my anxiety and all my depression and all these things that reminded me that i wasn't enough and it spiraled out of control and and it effectively crippled me but it ultimately led was a catalyst to me um being reborn in some ways um 
So as yeah. I stand here, vulnerable, you know, vulnerable and all, telling the story, I think that the reason I tell that story is is because it was so meaningful in my own personal journey to finding kind of my own strength. And what if I would have that day uh, clicked onto the internet and I would have found this quote and it said, just be happy being you in your own skin because you are enough and no soccer trophies are ever going to make you happy. What if I would have found something like that? What if I would have shared that to my Instagram profile and said, everybody look at me, I'm self-loving. I love myself so much that I won't even allow myself to take any risks or live outside of my comfort zone. Can you imagine if I would have found that in that vulnerable fucking time of my life? I might still be there. Yeah. I might still be there. Yeah, And it blows my mind that we're babying every single person on earth into, into thinking that they don't have to do anything. But like the, the truth is, is uh, if any of people who race against me are listening to this or any, any people who are starting businesses are listening to this. um, Yeah, man, totally. Don't do anything. Don't do anything at all. Just uh, be happy where you're at. Never be uncomfortable. Never push your limits. And there'll be more for me and you. (laughs) I mean, that's like, that's like one of the reasons why I, I work so hard at, you know, with uh, my career, uh, you know, working out, running and like riding my bike and all these things. I try to push myself and test the, and test the limits is because like, I look at it as, as like surviving. It's, uh, it's to me, it's like, it's so imperative for me to do these things and push it so hard is that it gives me perspective on things in life that are easy and if I push myself this hard, then everything else will come easy and it'll fall into place. And if I don't, if I'm not pushing myself that hard, then I know that, uh, I I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I love that fire, man. I love that. That's to me is contagious. And I, and I love that you have that. And that's one of the things I really admire about you, you know? Um, and, and when I was that kid afraid to leave my house, um, I, I have flashbacks to that often. And, and I, and I also think about, um, you know, just just about a week ago, I, I called you and said, hey, dude, you know, I was outside of Lake Tahoe uh, up in the mountains. and There was a lot yeah. of snow and I slid about seven, I don't know, 50 feet maybe. And yeah. I, I kind of crashed into a tree, which really stopped me from ultimately like maybe falling to my peril. Um, and I said, dude, I almost like fucking died today. And like, no, like not too much exaggeration on that. Like it could have went really wrong. And um, you said, well, at least you would have died. At least we would have known you died doing what you love. And, and you know what? That fired me up. <laughs> that fired me up because now that I live the way that I do, I wouldn't want it any other way. And I would rather, I would rather, like, I was so afraid I would never have ran along the ridges of some mountain lines, um, you know, some mountain ridges at 9,500 feet above sea level. I never would have done that before. I've never even got close to that because I was afraid of heights. I was afraid of leaving my bedroom. And now if you, if you said, well, you can go out and run this mountain one last time, but you might slip off. Or you can just stay in your in your in your bedroom for the rest of your life and, and never push your limits and never be uncomfortable and be scared. I'd say give me the ridge every single day, every single day. Yeah, I'll take the ridge every. I'll take the ridge every. Single I day. would, I would do no hundred percent. I would do. I would do. Uh, now that I live the way I do, I would never want anything different because that uh, that moment, while not ideal, um, I won't want to replicate that all the time. Um, but I love the idea of exploring. I love the idea of being free. I love the idea of training and pushing my limits. You know, I, I used to have this doctor and he would say, man, why do you train so hard? You ever hear the old saying, no pain, no pain. Like if you don't put yourself in pain, then, then there's going to be no pain. But like, but like, fuck that. Who wants to live a life just like, 
like, oh, my life is just medium and average. I just do that for the rest of my life. No chance, man. So I do things that make me an outlier. I do things that make me different from the from the average person. And uh, if I go out doing that, fuck it. That's how I want to go. Yeah. Yeah, man. I can't, I can't, I, like I said, if I can't sit idly by and just be content uh, and, and being, I can't be content being content. I can't, it just like, it just doesn't no, work. No, it makes me sick. It, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It feels like I threw up in my mouth. That's how it feels when I, when I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like when I find myself like, you know, being, being lazy or being content, whatever it, it, it sparks like an anxiety and like a weird kind of like depression. And it's like, and it's just, it's like, it just like snowballs. It's like, like what, like, what are you really doing? Just go out and run and you're going to feel a thousand times better. Just go out and do this. Go, just go out and push your limits. Like email that leader or email that. So, or that someone that, and like this ad, don't be afraid to ask the universe for what you yeah. want. Because like, if you don't ask for what you want, then, then no one knows what, what, what you actually want. And you won't, you the won't best advice it. I could give would be to collect no's. My, my good friend and former roommate, Joe Morton told me this. He told me, you got to go out and collect no's. I, I interviewed him for a job, and that's how I became friends. And he told me in his in his interview that that's what he does. He goes out and he collects nose. I love that. I love that because you don't know if you don't ask. So go out and, and and ask for big things and push for big things and do big things. Sometimes you're going to get no. Sometimes you're going to get rejected. Sometimes you're going to fail. But you're not yeah. living unless you're collecting those. You know, it's like it, that comes back to maybe the Wayne Gretzky, like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Well, it's just like that. Yeah. Um, collect the nose. Go out and, and make a plan every day and say, I'm going to do something so big that I'm going to find my limits or that somebody's going to say no or whatever it is. You know, the biggest compliment, one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten in my whole life is that um, a man I know said, you're never going to be happy, are you? You're always going to want more. You always just want more and more and more and more. And you can never be happy with where you are. And you know what? That was meant to be an insult. That was meant to say like, you're ungrateful. You're never going to. And, 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 and to me, what I heard in my head and it might be diluted and it might be twisted and it might be weird. That was a compliment. No, I will not settle yeah. for normal. No, I will not settle for a three bedroom bungalow or whatever those things are, ranches or whatever they are in Lincoln park. That's that, that costs a hundred thousand dollars and is, is a thousand square feet. I will not settle for that. I will not settle for, for average. I will not settle for being middle of the pack and there's nothing wrong with being middle of the pack. It's all relative to you, but I will not settle for things that I don't want. I want to be different. I want to set myself apart. So that for me was a huge compliment. And yeah, you know, that morning that I got that, we'll say, compliment insult, uh, backhanded compliment, we'll say, I, I woke up that morning, and I, as I do every morning, and I, like I said, I don't shoot out of bed every morning, and I'm not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You know, I, I, You're right. <laughs> but but what, I, what I do is every morning when I wake up while I'm still uh, laying in bed and I haven't looked at my phone yet or before I go sip on my uh, tea or pre-training drink, whatever it may be um, – I make a conscious effort and commitment to be an outlier that morning. And that means going above and beyond in a lot of ways. It means that I'm going to spend the extra seven minutes working on mobility before I run. I'm going to spend the extra seven to 12 to 15 to 18 minutes with that one client who needs more help. Um, and that's going to yeah. make me a better coach. It's going to make me a better person, make me a better friend. Um, it's going to make my business better and more professional. Um, I'm going to work on mobility. So I'm less likely to get injured. I'm going to invest the time I need to into the run. I'm going to go to bed earlier at night rather than watching Netflix or eating too many cupcakes. Um, 
I'm going to do, and there's nothing wrong with, with too many cupcakes. Meredith made cupcakes this weekend while I was at their house in Albuquerque, and I ate probably somewhere, not an exaggeration, 10 to 11 of them. Um, but <laughs> I woke up the next day like pretty ripped looking and pretty ripped feeling, and I'm like, this might be cupcake fit. This might be a thing. Um, I don't know if like the extreme amount of carbohydrates kind of like made me look more muscular, like bodybuilding. I don't, I'm not sure, but <laughs> I don't recommend this diet for most people. And, uh, but, but anyway, back to my, back to my thing, I'm going to, I'm going to do all the things. And even though they might be uncomfortable, uh, I have a motto in my house and it's that we don't do what's easy. We do what's right. And, and right. that's how I live. I don't do what's easy. I do what's right. And if you, if you enter the barriers of my door, you follow those rules. It's like taking your shoes off, but it's a different rule that I have. And I believe, I believe in those things, and I believe in the power of those things, and I believe it's those decisions, those very small decisions. We make thousands of decisions every single day. Most of them are unconscious. But those are habits. It's, if you can hone the habits, these little atomic habits, if you can hone them, if you can do the small, little, tiny things, if you can make the decisions, the conscious decisions and the conscious effort to get better every day, you are becoming an outlier. You're making a commitment to be different than the pack, to think differently, to be stronger, um, and that's an incredible thing. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I couldn't agree more. That's why. That's all I can encourage everyone to do: just find find something that that puts you, that separates you from from the rest. What like? How can you be an outlier? Just think of that. How, what can I do to be an outlier? And then try to execute. Yeah, you know why I love Jocko Willink. He said, you know, he's retired. He's not even Navy SEAL anymore, and he still wakes up at four a.m. to train. And they said, Jocko, why do you wake up so early? And he said, because I want to be up before the enemy. And he's not talking. He's not fighting. He's not actively fighting. He wants to. He wants to be no. up before the other person trying to beat him to have a better podcast or whatever it is. He wants to be up before that, that inner doubt inside his own head is up, you know, and yeah. uh, that's a yeah. that's a beautiful thing. But I will also warn you that being an outlier comes with comes with some 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 other things. Like if you think differently uh, than a group, you are you are bound to get some pushback, I would say. People are going to question you. They're going to think you're obsessed. I've had people tell me you're addicted to exercise. I've had people, you know, say things like that. And it's like, well, it's not the worst thing to be addicted to, I suppose, but I'm not really just addicted to it. I just really fucking like it, you know? And I, yeah, I, I like the way it feels and I like to do all the time. And if that makes me addicted, then so be it. Um, but I'd rather be addicted to that than addicted to sitting on the couch and wasting my life away. Um, so, you know, you're going to get, you're going to be met with criticism. Um, if you think differently, uh, than the herd, you're going to be, you're going to be met with these things. I was talking to Joshua, you know, he's been on the podcast two or three times now. And, uh, I was talking to him on the phone today and we were kind of catching up and he said, you know what? Bullying hasn't changed any. Um, it's just the bullies are different now. And we live in a, we live in a society where like, if you don't, if you don't fill all the things with, like before, like maybe like the jock or somebody would bully like a overweight kid or something like that, which is terrible. Uh, but now, now it's different. Now, now you're getting bullied, um, based on societal norms. Um, so they're still out there, but like, I, I still get it now. I get attacked for the things I do now. Like, like people said, how could you go out and train in the mountains during COVID? Well, because I want to go fucking train in the mountains. So that's how I did it. Yeah. Um, you know, if I've been criticized several times for not living my life in fear of a virus that kills less than one third of the people that one third of a percent of the people that get it. So we're talking about a 0.33% mortality rate, most of which are in nursing homes, their lives count too. So don't even start with the bullshit. I'm not saying that I'm just talking about cold, hard facts here. I'm not going to not live my life and not train and not push my limits, you know? 
blows my mind. Blows yeah. my mind. Is it is it is it that people are scared of COVID? Unlikely. It's 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 that COVID makes them. It allows them to be okay and be comfortable and sit in their home and play video games and order pizza in their underwear. And that's yeah. a that's just how I feel about it. I, that's how I feel about it. I the, the the beauty in this is like if you're afraid of going. I don't. First of all, the logic. I don't understand the logic. If you're alone in the mountains, I don't know how you get, or or with a gr- small group of friends in the mountains. I don't know how you're going to get COVID. You're out in the mountains, for one. <laughs> Two. Yeah. The beauty of it is if if we'll say his name was Gerald that messaged me. If Gerald is so worried about it, the beauty is Gerald gets to stay home. And doesn't have to worry about contacting yeah. COVID. It is a beautiful win-win situation that we're in. And it's the same thing for any type of training uh, or, or anything. If you want to be an outlier, that's great. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to endure a lot of pain. You're going to have a lot of setbacks, a lot of failures, um, a lot of heartache. But you know what? You're going to do things that you never thought you were capable of. And I was telling a client yesterday that um, you are capable of so much more. And I'm disappointed to see you like resigning to your fears. And he said, "How do you? What have you seen in me that lets me know that I'm capable of more?" And I said, "It's not necessarily something that I've seen in you. It's that I know every single human being has more inside of them. I know I have more. I know that you have more. Um, and sometimes yep. there's so much untapped potential in there. And if you're willing, if you're willing to see what you can do, that's when the that's when the truth comes out. You know that whole. Uh, but what if yeah. I fall? But what if you fly? You know, right? So." Yeah. Yeah, man. The only limitations that we we have are the ones we put on. They're ourselves. self-imposed. I think within within reason. Like obviously, I'm not gonna. I'm not. No matter how hard I try to, I'm not gonna be able to fly, uh, literally speaking. But you know what? Uh, I can really increase my vertical leap. You know, I can, I can, yeah. I can do other <laughs> things. Um, I might not be able to fly. I might not be able to grow wings, but I can grow some lats doing some pull downs in the gym if that's what I like. That's right. Um, that's right. So I think that people only scratch the surface, and that's my biggest fear for people is that they merely scratch the surface of what they're capable of before they experience a little bit of hardship, a little bit of pain, a little bit of a setback, a little bit of mental self doubt, and then they give up. And and I'm and I'm saying that so vehemently and so aggressively because I was that person, and I don't want anybody to be that person. I made a joke a little bit earlier and said, if you're my competitor in business or if you're my competitor uh, in athletics, then just uh, stay home and live in your comfort zone. I actually don't want that. I want every single person to beat me, Um, but I'm not going to make it easy. I'm going to try to raise the level. I still want you to beat me. So that's just how I feel. And, and, and I don't want anybody to to live that insufferable way that I lived. And it might be for some people, it might be, but for most people, I'd say they want to be out pushing their, pushing their limits, um, um, chasing their dreams. So I want, I want everybody to do that. And And I'm telling you now, if you've listened all the way through this rant, take the leap take the leap and push yeah. your limits because you can start from very humble beginnings and accomplish things that were probably in your wildest dreams that you never even imagined. And I hope that client that I was just talking about, I hope that he decides to say, F it, I'm going all in and I'm going to, I'm going to push, I'm going to aim big. And if I fail, then it's a learning experience and I find another way, but I don't change the mission. I don't change the goal. That's right. Yeah. Definitely agree. Couldn't have said and I think that might be a good time to stop this podcast. I think this is uh, more than anything informal. I think that this was just a really good conversation that we we're able to have uh, with each other. Those kind of one sided. I know I was kind of blabbing a lot. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of alone time in the car. A lot of a lot of thoughts about how sorry I used to feel for myself. About how I used to lock myself in a yeah. bedroom. Um, and I want every single person to feel the way I feel now because I feel like a million dollars. 
I feel great and I hope it's contagious. And, um, uh, I guess the, the, the last thing I will say is, uh, as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you like what you heard today, please share it um, on Instagram or wherever you, wherever you share your content. Um, if you haven't yet, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, that's how we, we had about 60, 70 plus uh, outliers there giving us five-star reviews. And we had one underachieving bozo <laughs> who wanted to give us a one-star <laughs> review because they were salty. It was somebody who probably said, Hey, can I come on the podcast? And we said, Hey, uh, we'd love to tell your story, but not today because we, we got something else going on. They said, you know, I'm going to one star these motherfuckers. And, <laughs> and, um, and that's okay if that's who you are. It's really easy. Just go back on there and, and, and take us off that one star. Uh, you don't mean it. You don't mean it because we, we do more than that. You that's right. That's right. I never meant a one star ever. No, no, no. And I've never one starred anybody either. That's the. No, I mean. I provided, <laughs> I provided constructive feedback, but I've never said, here's one star. How do you like that? What a, <laughs> what a, what a little coward dweeb. And yeah. if, if for some reason you're listening to this, you're a, you're a dweeb. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's my – we might as well just make that the outro of the podcast. I'm going to say that every single time. I, I just – <laughs> I just always say it, yeah, but no, well, we appreciate, we sincerely appreciate all the, all the positive reviews, all the sharing, any, we get some constructive feedback. We appreciate that too. Um, we're just on here having fun and we hope it helps some people along the way, but until next time, everybody stay strong. Thanks for listening to another episode of the finding strong podcast. As always, if this episode brought you value, um, please like, share, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, share us on Instagram, tell the world about us. Thanks again, and stay strong.